Hey all, this is Sean Gerber. Thank you for listening today, but before we get started, I have a couple of questions for you. Are you caught in the daunting maze of CISSP preparation, unable to find your way forward? That's precisely where I found myself when I began studying for the CISSP. Overwhelmed would be an understatement. There are now an ocean of CISSP training programs available, and are you unsure which ones to trust? I remember the struggle, but there was nothing accessible to me outside of the pricey boot camps. And that's precisely why CISSP Cyber Training came into existence, to illuminate your pathway towards acing the CISSP exam. At CISSP Cyber Training, I've forged the CISSP blueprint into a step-by-step guide to navigate you through the intricacies of the CISSP journey designed to provide you the direction and guidance you need to pass the CISSP exam confidently. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to what one of my students, Kevin Fallon, had to say about the CISSP blueprint. This is precisely what I needed in your course, direction. The blueprint is the perfect roadmap to stay on track. I appreciate its clarity and tangible sense of progress it brings. A phenomenal tool for revision. And then there was another from Christopher Wagstaff. Sean Gerber, your guidance was invaluable throughout the CISSP study and certification process. Thank you for breaking the monotony. Once you've wrapped up with the podcast, make your next stop, CISSPCybertraining.com, and let's together turn the tide in your favor, meeting your CISSP goals and catapulting your career in cybersecurity. Now, without further ado, let's get going. Giddy up. Welcome to the Reduce Cyber Risk CISSP exam questions, episode 10. Domain 3, Security Architecture and Engineering. Hi all, this is Sean Gerber again with Reduce Cyber Risk, and I'm providing these CISSP questions for you to study so that you can be properly prepared to pass the CISSP exam. And so these are some fundamental questions that are going to come over Domain 3. All right, let's get started. The network layer, okay, this is what this question is about the network layer. The network layer, which is part of the seven-layer burrito, is layer 3. And it is responsible for which one of the following? A, formatting packets and getting them ready for transmission. You've heard that question before. Mm. B, add routing and addressing information. C, ensure the integrity of the transmission. Or D, none of the above. Again, network layer three, layer three's uh, training. (laughs) Network layer three is responsible for which one of the following? Formatting the packets and getting them ready for transmission. Add routing and addressing information. Ensure the integrity of the transmission. Or D, none of the above. So A, B, C, or D. And the answer is B, add routing and addressing information. The network layer provides the means of transferring the variable length network packets, which, you know, packets are like like little envelopes, and they have all kinds of information in them. Uh, They're not like physical envelopes, but they're kind of cool. Just joking. From a source to a destination host via one or more networks. So basically, that's the whole purpose. It routes them and sends these packets to and fro. Uh, And it's within the service layer semantics that the OSI network architecture, the network layer responds to service requests from the transport layer. Okay, so basically as it gets service requests from the transport layer, which we've talked about in the past, it issues a service request to the data link layer. So it is the piece that connects the two together. It's the networking piece between the transport layer and the data link layer. So those are the pieces and that's in layer three. 
So it provides a lot of capability, uh, and it, well, it's just really cool because it's amazing how all this stuff works, and it's very standardized. But this is all part of the OSI model, the seven-layer burrito. Now, we're going to get to the transport layer. The transport layer, which is layer four, is responsible for which one of the following? A, ensuring that all protocols are followed. NFS, RPC, SQL, so basically it's, uh, and, and so making sure that all of those pieces are set up. That's remote procedure call, SQL server as well. And I'm just really running, struggling with NFS right now. Sorry, I, I just had a brain lapse on that one. Uh, responsible for transforming application layer into something other than the, uh, into for the other OSI models. So responsible for transforming application layer data into something for the other OSI uh, models, the other layers of the OSI model. C, ensuring all communications is half duplex. D, host-to-host -host communication services for applications. So A, ensures all protocols are followed. B, responsible for transforming application layer data into something for the OSI model. C, ensuring all communication is half duplex. Or D, host-to-host -host communication services for applications. And the answer is D, host-to-host -host communication services for applications. So the big thing here is when you're dealing with computer networking, the transport layer is a conceptual division of methods in the layered architecture of protocols. Okay, so basically it's the it's the piece that connects them together, right? It's the layered aspects of that, um, and it's focused specifically on the OS, the Internet Protocol Suite and the OSI model. Okay, so these protocols of this layer provide host-to-host -host communication services for applications. And it provides services such as connection-oriented communication, reliability, flow control, and multiplexing. So, yeah, the transport layer has got it all going together. So, basically, it communicates from host-to-host -host communications for applications. So it goes over the transport layer. The session layer. The session layer is layer 5. is responsible for which one of the following? A, establishing, maintaining, and terminating communication sessions. B, interfacing with applications, networks, and operating systems. C, formatting video documents, or video documents, etc. Or D, none of the above. So the session layer, layer 5, is responsible for which one? A, establishing and maintaining, establishing, maintaining, and terminating communication sessions. Okay, so turning them on, turn them off. B, interfacing with applications, networks, and operating systems. So that's where it's talking to them between the two the systems and the, the applications. B, formatting video documents. Or D, none of the above. Okay, so now you get one of the things to consider. If you go through this and you look at the questions, you go, hmm, one of these doesn't really make sense. And you throw that one out. And this one doesn't make sense. Well, I throw that one out. As you get to the end of it, what ends up happening is, is you can pretty much whittle it down to a minimum of two. And in this case here, you probably whittle it down to one. And that would be A, establishing and maintaining and terminating communication sessions. Now, the session layer provides a mechanism for opening, closing, and managing a session. So when a session stands up and goes down, it takes care of all of that. Between the end user application processes, um, and that's where it, it happens. It happens through all of that. And that's the, the piece of the session layer. So as the session level will stick up, it'll turn off, it'll go on. That's the purpose of it. Uh, communication sessions consist of requests and responses that occur between applications. So they, an application request goes up, goes down. That's done through the session layer. They're commonly used in application environments that make use of remote procedure calls, which would be considered RPCs. So that session layer is A, established, maintains, and terminates communication sessions.
All right, this came a lot of this comes from Wikipedia and also from the CISSP training that I provide on Udemy.com. The cool part about it is these questions come directly from the training that I provide at Udemy.com. So it, you are getting a plethora of information at your fingertips. You need to check it out because honestly, you cannot beat the prices at Udemy.com, uh, especially for my CISSP training. There are hours, I mean hours of training that's available for you that you can listen to in the car or you can watch it on your on your mobile device of choice. Again, my name is Sean Gerber. You go to Udemy, you can type in Sean, S-H-O-N, Gerber, like the baby food, the knife, or the toilet, depending upon which is your preference. And then, see, you also can go to ReduceCyberRisk.com, which is my website, and you can go forward slash C-I-S-S-P training. So that's ReduceCyberRisk.com forward slash C-I-S-S-P dash training, and it'll take you to the links for Udemy.com as well. So Udemy's got it all going there. You've got some great C-I-S-S-P training on Udemy. All right, I hope you enjoyed this training. We will catch you on the flip side. See ya. Thanks so much for listening today, as it was my pleasure to prep you for the CISSP exam. But are you interested in some free CISSP exam questions? Head on over to CISSPQuestions.com and sign up to join my email list, and you will gain access to 30 free CISSP questions each and every month. That's a total of 360 questions just for signing up with CISSP Cyber Training. You will also gain access to other free resources, so just head on over to freeCISSPQuestions.com or CISSPCybertraining.com and sign up today. All right, have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you on the flip side. See you.